0: Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Andriana Kowalczyk, market research analyst for Newmark Knight Frank, will discuss Blockchain Might Just Blow Up the CRE World. Thank you, everyone, for joining us at the Learning Innovation Theater. Um, for the presentation of blockchain, blockchain Might Just Blow Up the CRE World, with Adriana Kowalczyk from Newmark Knight Frank. Um, Hello, thank you for coming. Um, Today I wanted to talk about uh, something I'm really passionate about. Um, I wrote my dissertation, uh, my master's dissertation on blockchain technology, um, and it's innovative use in the hotel industry, so it's something really close to my heart. Um, You know, when you think about uh, blockchain these days, you don't hear much about it in the news. It's been a bit quiet. So what's what's happening in this space? Um, So for my presentation today, um, I'm going to cover the applications. Uh, I'm going to talk about smart contracts, um, tokenization of real estate and fractional ownership, um, as well as using blockchain to secure the IoT devices um, and in turn enabling smart cities. So first of all, a blockchain is not dead, <laughs> some speakers may have been saying, um, due to the fact that it's been quiet in this space. Um, you can remember there were a lot of investments uh, and a lot of people lost money because of the hype and because of overinvestment in this area. But it is now matured and um, there are signs. So, for example, Abu Dhabi, as of this year, is putting their land title records on a blockchain to uh, cut down the cost that is spent on processing uh, land title deeds. Um, in, the, in the Emirates um, but they're not they're not actually the first place to do so um, the Republic of Georgia back in 2016 and they've started this process of moving um, land titles onto a blockchain and by the time it was 2018 I think they've recorded more than one and a half million land titles on the blockchain itself and it's moving forward Uh, So, on top of this, there are continued requests uh, from private companies for initial coin uh, offerings. Initial coin offerings are a way to attract investment um, into a venture, sort of like a crowdsourcing thing. Um, And there are also continued investment by the IT giants. Um, IBM, together with Walmart, they are experimenting um, with setting up supply chain blockchains to track... Sorry, (laughs) to track their supply chain. So every single supplier that is um, producing green leafy vegetables to Walmart is requested to um, record their data onto a blockchain. And I think they had to do it. The deadline was September 2019, so a month ago. And, you know, when food is contaminated, it's super important to be able to track it. So now that data is on the blockchain, instead of, if the food is contaminated, instead of recalling every single piece of this item from every single store in the United States or any other countries, for that instance, you're able to track the exact um, part that you have to recall from the stores. Um, BMW um, is also experimenting with blockchain. They are um, also for um, supply tracking. They were, um, I think, they were together with a UK startup in 2018. They entered into a partnership to track um, if the natural resources they were gathering for um, for their supply manufacturing, uh, if they were ethically sourced. So you know when the when the big companies um, invest in this space, (laughs) that's annoying. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, when the big companies uh, invest in a space, a lot of small players are going to follow. They're going to be following um, in the technology that um, the big IT giants have invested in and, you know, trailblazed through. And for those who like numbers, I've got some charts. Um, So here is a total number of transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain and billions of dollars. You can see how it improved over the years. Um, Just... Keep in mind that 2019 is not over yet. So this number is likely to be higher. And also, um, all-time cumulative ICO funding in millions, uh, which, as you can see, has also increased. But for this, um, if you're looking at numbers like that, I need to give you a word of caution that the numbers are self-reported by the startups themselves. So, of course, (laughs) they may be inflated because every company wants to look better, especially if they're just beginning. So what is blockchain and how does it work? Um, I'd like to explain to you how blockchain works and the consensus algorithm using an example that a friend of mine has used in his book. So um, imagine we are sitting at a table um, and we want to trade money. So um, each of us is going to have a piece of paper in front of us and a pen. So. I know it's a specific start to the friendship, but you decide to give me $100. (laughs) So on our pieces of paper, both of us write down, you give me $100, as you can see on this picture. So both of us have a copy of what we've written down, so we know exactly how much and what we've given to whom. So this carries out, um, I give $20 to you and we repeat the process. Both of us write down this transaction on our pieces of paper and this repeats every time the money exchanges hands both of us keep a copy of every single transaction that has exchanged hands and it goes on and go on and on and uh, the list gets bigger. So let's imagine a third person wants to join our table. And we're very happy for the person to join our table because, you know, we have nothing against it. Um, it's, it's open. Uh, if, they want to tra- if they want to trade money with us, uh, we're fine with it. But what they need to do is they need to bring a third piece of paper and meet certain conditions. So they need to copy everything that we have written um, in our papers so far. So uh, they want to join our table. They need to copy everything that's been written so far. Um, and it carries on. We create a list of transactions, a distributed ledger. Um, So now, um, why why do we do that? Why does everybody keep a copy of a registry of everything that happens? So let's imagine that the third person is not very honest. Maybe they don't have good intentions. So... um, Let's say, let's imagine that um, I give $1,000 to this person to repair my car. So what happens? This person, who is not very honest, um, says, you've only given me $100. Like, what's going on? So what happens now is that every single person that's sitting at a table, and, you know, it doesn't matter if it's just the three of us, maybe 3,000 people, it doesn't matter. We all start comparing our notes. And what we find out because we keep our copies of the registry, we find out that the third person is a cheat. So that what would happen, you know, the algorithms would find out that the person has cheated and they're out of our network. So following on my example, um, I think it was a pretty good mef- metaphor, uh, blockchain is resistant to manipulation, the third person could not change or edit anything that happened um, in our registry because we have our own separate copies of it, it is transparent, when a person wanted to join our table all they had to do was just look over our shoulder and just copy everything that we've written so far because it's open. Um, it's decentralized. Um, there are three of us and there is no um, third person or like a certain authority that would be watching over us and what we're doing. So it's open, anybody can join if they meet, if they agree to meet the certain conditions that we've outlined, which means copying um, everything that came before and at the same time copying the notes as we go. And it's trustless. I don't actually like the word um, Trustless because the trust exists. It's just not up to a bank to make sure that nobody's cheating the trust has been changed from um, From a human intermediary into a cryptographic Network of people who validate transactions for each other Um, The first application I'd like to cover is tokenization of real estate and uh, fractional ownership and um, how it liquefies the assets so if you uh, follow this chart Uh, We can have a building, which is, um, let's say, a house, which is appraised to a million of dollars. So the information about the house value, the parameters, so how many uh, meters squared, um, if it has a terrace, or where is it location, it is confirmed by a lawyer or any other um, qualified authority in the physical world. So we can create um, a 1,000 house coin tokens to represent um, fractional ownership of the house, and each token could be worth um, about thousand dollars. So no bank needs to get involved. All that is happening um, is that we have a lawyer in the physical world who confirms that you know this is true. There is an asset; it exists. So then you can sell your house coin tokens um, on a trading platform. And you can sh- sell a share in your house um, without rel- relinquishing the ownership rights, which would liquef- liquefy the asset. So directly the transaction happens from a person to a person without any intermediaries. So you may be thinking, why should I, fraction, or why should I have fraction ownership of my house? Why should I create tokens for my house? But if you think about... Um, shopping malls or any other real estate assets which are much bigger than your house and you can have so many different investors who could invest in your assets um, and at the same time receive dividends for every token that they receive or you know trade or invest in it could be really interesting so for the token buyers there are multiple benefits Um, you're able to micro invest in uh, in the assets and you can diversify your investments and without um, And, you know, really deal without the red tape that is involved. Um, There is security that is um, by the form of legal verification prior to tokenization. Um, And for both the token sellers and the token buyers, the investment is not contained by a geographical border. So you do not have to exist in one country to buy fractional ownership in a hotel or somewhere in a totally different country in a different side of the world. So for the token sellers... Um, it's important you can raise finance quickly for projects in construction, sort of like crowdsource um, you know, construction for, for the building you want to do. Um, you'll be able to reach the groups of investors who were not able to invest before due to insufficient funds. And I think this is especially important because so many people are kept out of real estate world, out of real estate investing, uh, because it requires um, a really high amount of starting capital at the beginning. And you know, if you think about um, countries which do not have advanced um, banking structures, um, it's really important. Um, So again, investment is not contained by by a geographical border. You can buy and sell from whichever place in the world. Smart contracts um, is another application um, that's being explored in many different um, industries in the world. Um, These contracts, can be automated, self-enforcing, and written in code. So smart contracts are not very smart. <laughs> the, person, the person who used the name smart contract at the beginning it regrets it because they're not really smart. They're programs. they just do exactly what they were programmed to do. So um, smart contracts are trackable, which ensures um, accurate record keeping. Um, They execute the agreed rules and are irreversible, so that's very important. And they ensure that there are faster and more transparent transactions. To help you visualize this, think about a shipping um, cargo container, uh, which reaches the port of entry. So the IoT devices, uh, the IoT sensors, which are in the middle of the um, containers, um, they check automatically if everything... um, was stored securely during the times of transport, and a bill of laden is issued when all the sensors check everything's been right. So the state of smart contracts uh, today, I think it's it's pretty much uncertain uh, because there's so many risks um, and dangers associated with them. Um, So smart contracts are only as smart as the programming behind them. You need to make sure that uh, the person who actually creates smart contracts is, of course, knowledgeable about how to do it. But also that um, all the conditions that you want them to execute are correct. Same with um, contracts written by lawyers, really. Um, Can businesses trust them to be legally binding? Um, In a business-to-business transaction, there's just so many changes to the contracts and so many things that could be reversed possibly if certain conditions weren't met. Now, I'm not sure smart contracts today are advanced enough uh, to be legally binding. Uh, businesses are worried, they're scared uh, that, uh, you know, once you make a decision according to a smart contract and a machine execute it, rather than a human being, it could be costly. So smart contracts can diminish accountability. If one company is uh, running a smart contract and you just joined their network, you have no way of um, checking or maybe changing the requirements of the smart contract. Um, Blockchain can be used to secure IoT devices. Um, There are statistics such as there will be 20 billion connected devices by 2023. That's according to Ericsson. Um, The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency reports that the average commercial real estate building wastes a third of the energy it consumes. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, So if you have a leaking pipe, uh, you could have sensors fitted to it which would um, discover a damage and make sure that the person who is responsible for repairs gets to it quickly. So, you know, uh, even if you talk about um, the IoT sensors in different um, office environments, you can have sensors attached to the rubbish bins. So the people who are responsible for maintaining the area, they don't have to go and check every single bin, but actually receive a message when when the bin is full and just go there. So you can save costs on... um, Maybe reducing the employers on the on the floor um, and also make them more efficient. Um, I want you to think about now about all of the Electronic devices you have with you right now. So I have a smartphone. I have second smartphone for my work phone. Uh, we have laptops. Um, I can see some people are wearing smartwatches, fitness trackers. If you go to your office, there are going to be printers, um, smart thermostats, um, visual cameras. There's just so many devices that collect data about us, about our tenants, and about our clients. So I think blockchain is going to redesign the way we think about um, security. Um, because nobody wants to be the company that allows for the client's data to be stolen. It can have such serious financial repercussions. And with the onset of 5G technology and uh, and the smart cities, every intelligent chaos that you have on the street is going to be a way for the hackers to break in and potentially steal personal data. So um, blockchain can help with that uh, because of the security um, issuing uh, Private keys to all the different devices. Of course, uh, talking about blockchain and many advantages and benefits, we cannot. forget to talk about the threats and challenges that are facing the industry today. So, first of all, uh, poor data infrastructure. You know, in machine learning, there is this um, term um, garbage in, garbage out. So, the data you feed into it at the beginning stage of the process, because it can't be changed, it's just going to get snowballed into just worse and worse results And as, as it goes on. There's also poor know-how in the industry, but I hope after today it's improving. <laughs> Uh, because um, real estate industry, it's it's quite slow to adapt to new technologies. You know, long lease terms, um, the amount of time it takes um, to actually get agreements and contracts through, it means that it's slow to adapt to any new changes. There are also compliance risks um, associated. So in Europe, we have um, GDPR, um, where you have to protect personal data. Um, but there is also uh, know-your-customers regulations. So how do you ensure that your data is protected, but at the same time, it's anonymous? It's something, it's something that, um, you know, companies will have to work out. Um, and, of course, it's, uh, at the moment, it's very energy-intensive. But for this, you know, if you think about the, how the first computer ever looked like, it was this massive thing <laughs> in an entire room, and it had probably less, calcul- less calculating power than... I don't know any of the devices you have right now <laughs> so I think um, in time uh, it will scale um, so just wanted to give you a, a short um, a short summary the blockchain can add value in the following areas it can cut costs uh, it can help you with uh, data transparency accuracy and ownership and it can definitely help with security so you should really think about blockchain where you have a need uh, for a shared database where multiple users need to create or modify the records. If it's something internal and all of the participants of the network are trusted, you don't really need that because you really need the, the trust issues that would, the, the network users would validate themselves. Um, so lack of trust among participants um, and when there's an opportunity to disintermediate. Um, so with this, um, I would like to thank you for attending this session. Uh, mentioned that you can rate this session and evaluate it. Uh, and if you have any questions, I'm here. Thank you for tuning into What's Next. Have an idea or point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own? Visit cornetglobal.org podcast.